The perks of power, the perks of power. For Democrats right now, the perks of power apparently include covering up a potential crime that we all saw that is obviously wrong, but somehow they're getting away with it. I can't get this off my mind, folks, and I'm going to be staying with this. I'm sorry, but I'm talking about the killing of Ashley Babbitt that we all saw on January 6th. We had Aaron Babbitt on last night. I could not play this in his presence, but I will show you now what happened on January 6th again. Ashley Babbitt, a 35-year-old Trump supporter, was unarmed that day, unarmed, and she was shot and killed. Now, we can talk and try to figure out what rules and laws she may or may not have broken, but we know that she was unarmed. We know that she did not pose a lethal threat to anyone. I also know this. I've talked to a lot of law enforcement sources, both current and retired. There is not a police department in the country where this shooting would have been seen as a justified use of deadly force. Not one. And the Capitol Hill police, they still are part of this country and they report to the people. Something's not right here. We need the name of the officer who pulled the trigger. I talked to Aaron Babbitt, the husband of Ashley, last night. For all intents and purposes, I guess it's just not um, sexy enough to fit the narrative um, that's going on right now. Um, they're just lambasting her um, on social media and mainstream news. Um, you know, the term insurrectionist keeps getting thrown around, rioter. Um, to me, she was just a uh, blue collar American veteran. And I wanted her voice to be heard, and nobody was listening. She was no insurrectionist. I'll get to that in a moment. But again, who pulled the trigger? Because this was not justified. No police department in the country would say this was justified, and even Congress itself cannot say this is justified. The George Floyd criminal justice bill that they're so proud that the House passed and Joe Biden has been pushing... This is what it says about a use of force. A federal law enforcement officer may not use deadly force against a person unless the form of deadly force used is necessary as a last resort to prevent imminent and serious bodily injury or death to the other officer, to the officer or another person. That condition has not been met. Clearly, you see it, I see it, anyone who's watched that video knows, yet somehow just because Nancy Pelosi did what politicians do. They fired the guy in charge. I am calling for the resignation of the Capitol, the chief of the Capitol Police, Mr. Sund, and I have received a notice from Mr. Irving that he is, will be submitting his resignation. Just fire the guy in charge and that's, uh, that's it, that's it. Well, it worked for the media. Uh, it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for you. Got me thinking a little bit more about Nancy Pelosi and other top Democrats. Nancy has been at the upper realms of American society her entire life. Here she is as a teenager with John F. Kennedy. Nancy Pelosi probably didn't mix with cops much as a kid. Um, maybe she learned a few lessons about law enforcement from John F. Kennedy. He had his talents, but let's face it, uh, sometimes the Secret Service had to arrange play dates for him 
at the White House pool with young ladies at the pool and elsewhere. Um, I don't think she has much respect for law enforcement. I can see that by how she's handled this case. What about Chuck Schumer? He went into public, well, political office at the age of 24, right after getting out of Harvard Law School. Are these two people who think a lot about cops, who think a lot about how it works over the years, are they? I'm not so sure. And somehow, they have convinced the world, they and their friends, that what happened on January 6th was, well, the worst thing possibly that ever happened in history since the Civil War. And this was the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. The assault that was made on our democracy today. They hunted us at the Capitol. It was an insurrection. It was an act of terror. A bloodthirsty mob attacked the Capitol. This was one of the worst attacks on our democracy in our history, not in our modern history, in our total history. Think about what we just lived through in January 6th. A treasonous insurrection. This temple to democracy was desecrated. And so this is very much an attack, a violent attack on our democracy. The worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Exploitation, exaggeration, and uh, quite frankly, it all adds up to uh, a bunch of lies. A bunch of lies. You saw what happened on January 6th. It was terrible. It was a protest that got out of hand, okay? a protest that got out of hand. Was it worse than 9-11? September 11th, 2001, where nearly 3,000 people were lost, four different airplanes were hijacked, crashed into that building, the Pentagon and Pennsylvania? Was what happened on January 6th worse than that? It wasn't. And actually, here's proof. Here is total proof. All right, yes, it got crazy at times, but here's the proof. Inside the Capitol, later that night, they were able to resume business. They got on with it. The electoral count, that actually happened inside the building. They were able to continue a matter of hours later. They didn't have to rebuild the Capitol. It didn't take them three years. They had to clean it up. And remember, only one person was killed that day, and it was Ashley Babbitt, a Trump supporter, and they still don't have the decency to tell us who pulled the trigger. Now, you think that's unfair on the cop? It isn't. I'll get to that in a moment. Let's go through some recent controversial police shootings where all hell broke loose, okay? Minneapolis, okay, we all know Officer Chauvin and George Floyd. They burned the city down almost. They did millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of damage, destroying businesses. More recently, Dante Wright, all hell broke loose again. This happens and it's accepted and it hurts people. It destroys lives and businesses and property, but it's just accepted. And in each of these cases, by the way, over the years and just a couple of weeks ago, we always find out the name of the cop right away. Right away, we are told the name of the officer involved in whatever is making people mad, often justifiably mad, but we find out the name of the cop right away, right? Here's a bunch, a half dozen or so, we find out their names right away. But not in this case, not in Ashley Babbitt's case. Why is that? And this, again, was not a justified shooting. Absolutely not. Here's the big thing, though. Notice anything about Ashley? Take a good look. And let's look at some of the pictures of her that her husband 
furnished Newsmax. She lived a great life. And again, a veteran went to Afghanistan and Iraq. Okay? Notice anything? She's Caucasian. That's a big part of this, folks. It really is. A dozen years ago, this would not have been a factor. This was a different country in 2009, 2008. Let's switch gears, okay? I want to have fun for 30 seconds, okay? Who remembers this song? single ladies. All the single ladies. Everybody loved this song, right? Uh, not me, but everybody loved this song. Big at the weddings. Beyonce was beloved by all, and she seemed to love all of us. Remember the Grammys just a couple of weeks ago? Really changed your tune. Everybody has changed their tune. So I wanted to uplift encourage and celebrate all of the beautiful black queens and kings that continue to inspire me and inspire the whole world. Being a white guy right now is not considered very fashionable. The only thing less fashionable than that is being a white woman. You're feeling it. I know you are. It's just not considered very cool. And the mob is coming after you. That's why I think maybe a lot of them are joining the mob. They are joining the mob, white women in particular. That's part of how mobs work, okay? Join us or else you'll be in trouble. That's happening, folks. That's happening in a big way. So once again, I think it's a very reasonable request to find out the name of this officer, to see everything about this case, everything about this case. Why was Ashley Babbitt shot and killed when she was unarmed and her hands free of any weapon we're in clear sight. Hmm? That's fair. We demand it. As a matter of fact, I ask you to join me. I've written a letter. Uh, you can write your own. But uh, I'm sending this right now to every member of Congress, 535. This is going to cost about 300 bucks in stamps, but that's okay. And here's the letter. Dear member of Congress, I'll fill that in specifically. We want the name of the officer who killed Ashley Babbitt inside the Capitol on January 6, 2021, to be released publicly. As you know, she was unarmed and was not posing a deadly threat to anyone. As you also know, the use of deadly force is prohibited except when used to prevent serious bodily injury or death to the officer or another person. This is the standard in every state. And that is also the standard set forth in the George Floyd Criminal Justice Act that you voted for, just about every Democrat voted for. Thank you for your attention. We expect you to move promptly on this matter by releasing the name of the officer who shot Ashley Babbitt. Thank you. Signed, Greg Kelly. I ask you to join me. We'll be back in a little bit. Rudy Giuliani will be here. Information. Truth is power, is freedom, is money, is health, is Newsmax. Millions watch it for free. So can you. No paywall, no subscription. Newsmax is real news for real people.
federal investigators searched the home and the office of, of Rudy Giuliani as part of an investigation um, into his time as President Trump's attorney, his dealings with, with Ukraine. Were, were you aware of, of that raid before it happened? I give him my word, I was not. I made a pledge. I would not interfere in any way, order, or try to stop any investigation the Justice Department had in their way. I learned about that last night when the rest of the world learned about it. Oh, did you hear that? Joe Biden gave his word. Gave his word. Joe Biden was in the Oval Office in uh, early January of 2017, and it's a matter of public record that he was brainstorming with people like Comey about how to get Mike Flynn, how to prosecute Mike Flynn. Here's that record. Vice President Biden suggested prosecuting the guy on the Logan Act. Joe Biden knows how to roll up his sleeves and get involved. But in this case, perhaps he didn't have to. Maybe the system is taking care of it all on its own. You know, if you're a lawyer for Donald Trump, <laughs> you might be a marked man. Take a look at this. Just about every one of Donald Trump's lawyers has been given a very hard time by the federal government. Most recently, Rudy Giuliani, his apartment, his business, raided by the federal government. FBI agents, uh, FBI agents showed up, confiscated his uh, electronical gear. Mr. Mayor, welcome back to uh, Newsmax. How are you? Sorry this happened, by the way. Well, I'm sorry it happened, too, but I'm sorry for myself, but I'm actually much more worried for my country. Because if this can happen to me and, in effect, to the president of the United States, a former president, it can happen to anybody. I mean, the documents they seized, easily half of them involved my representation of the president of the United States as a lawyer. And when I was a prosecutor, when we used to obey the Constitution, you would never do this. You, I mean, they were, remember, before they even did this, I found out yesterday in, in, in uh, 2019 they uh, invaded my iCloud account and took every record out for nine months. Those are the nine months I represented Donald Trump. Not about me. It was about Donald Trump. You know, Those are the nine months that I was his lawyer. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of that, Greg. I've never, I've never heard of someone blatantly violating the attorney-client privilege that way. And uh, basically what they did when they took all my documents from the iCloud... They admitted that there was attorney-client privileged information there, and they decided on their own what they would uh, use and what they wouldn't use. First of all, it meant they read all of it, including secret communications between lawyer and client, and then they decided if they were privileged or not. How do they know if they're privileged? They didn't ask me. They didn't ask President Trump. I mean, if they did this to an ordinary citizen, they'd be fired, disbarred, and thrown in jail. Well, now, it is I'm wild, tired, sir. I'm tired of Donald Trump having no rights in America. I thought about this, uh, this quite frankly. Yeah. Apparently, the Bill of Rights doesn't apply to Donald Trump. Everybody else, the Bill of Rights applies to. No, 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 I'm sorry. The Bill of Rights applies to Democrats, not Republicans. That's actually a fair statement. Three lawyers, attorney-client privilege. I always thought that was a sacred thing, and they yeah, really sure, seem to be quite... Yeah, not not, not if you're not if you're an unethical, corrupt Justice Department. And this is my old office, uh, Greg. I love the Southern District of New York. It's got a tradition that's remarkable, and I think I added an awful lot to it when I was there. And this, what they have done, is disgraced that office. People, to, uh, to, uh, people who live in New York, to invade, or, mm, people go ahead and invade 
uh, my iCloud without my knowledge in the remember I, I just want you to focus on it. it was in November of 2019 that's when we were hot and heavy preparing for the defense of the false charge that somehow he had an inappropriate conversation with the president of Ukraine now the the thing that proved that he didn't is the hard drive now they were doing two things the Justice Department and the FBI they were concealing the hard drives that would prove he was innocent. And they were taking all the communications with his primary lawyer. Now, if that isn't illegal and unethical, this isn't America. We are no longer a country of laws. We're a country of left-wing zealots who can do anything they want to someone who's connected to Trump or conservative. All right, we're going through a bunch Sorry, of pictures. I'm not take that, I understand. I you shouldn't. Wrong. You shouldn't. <laughs> Greg, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't violate a single law. I bet I was a U.S. attorney as a third-ranking official in the Justice Department. Gosh almighty, I'm not perfect. But where it comes to the law, I am obsessive. I filed my tax returns, and I actually put in more money in my tax returns. If I had a file as a foreign agent, I'd have filed as a foreign agent 10 times. Except if I filed as a foreign agent, I would have filed a false report. I wasn't a foreign agent. And I've told them four times I can come there and prove it. They have declined every offer that I've made. They also, going back five years ago, turned their backs on evidence of Biden's criminality. Every single thing we're finding out now, the Southern District could have found out five years ago when a lawyer named Bud Cummings came to them and brought them clear evidence that Biden was involved in bribery and in helping to... Uh, illegally interfere in the 2016 election by getting false information from Ukraine. Uh, they were ignored. They were put aside. Basically, he was told it was more important to go after Michael Cohen. Now, now you go figure that out. And what's going on there? Trump derangement syndrome. Look, I never thought it would happen, but it is Manhattan. It is a bunch of Ivy League graduates. And... Um, They've disgraced that wonderful office by using it for political purposes now for five years. Mine is not the only horrible thing they've done. I mean, they've, 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 charged, they've charged cases that aren't illegal in order to get a plea. They've conducted raids that are disgraceful. Mine, mine was, was, except for the fact yeah. that it was an illegal warrant, you know, they banged my door down. My neighbors were somewhat disturbed, but they didn't. The agents were, may I say this about the agents so they don't get in trouble? I heard that they, they did a gentlemen. good job. They were professional, right? They were wonderful. I, I mean, I would have had them over for tea, uh, <laughs> uh, coffee, or maybe something even better than that. Okay, but, 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 Mr. Mayor, I'm sorry, we're out of time. I heard, though, they got very nervous when you offered them the Hunter hard drive. Oh, they did I, not I want to touch that only, thing, which I, is very I said, weird. Well, I only have... I only have I only have one piece of incriminating evidence. It's Hunter Biden's hard drive. You want it? No, no. Well, Even listen. though it's covered by the warrant. It's covered by the warrant. Mr. No, Mayor, we're no. going uh, to wrap it up with the uh, words of your son, <laughs> Andrew Giuliani, who was terrific, uh, by the way. And after that, we're going to go to break. But, Mr. Mayor, we appreciate you being here very, very much. I believe this is an opinion show. You're being persecuted 
for your association uh, with Donald it, Trump. Our, and yes, and we're going to leave this, though, with Andrew Giuliani, your son that, who knows, might be the governor of New York someday. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Here's your boy, Andrew, uh, speaking in front of your apartment building yesterday. Anybody, any American, whether you're red or blue, should be extremely disturbed by what happened here today, by the continued politicization of the Justice Department. This is disgusting. This is absolutely absurd, and it's the continued politicization of the Justice Department that we have seen. And it has to stop. If this can happen to the former president's lawyer, this can happen to any American. It's a dangerous time in big cities like New York, L.A., Chicago, San Francisco, and more. Now, Rob Schmidt is exposing the truth about police defunding in his series, Cities on Fire. Watch Rob Schmidt tonight and get the news you need. Well, if the federal government is coming after you, probably no better person in the world to have in your corner than Alan Dershowitz, the constitutional lawyer from Harvard University, back with us. And he is assisting Rudy Giuliani in his, uh, well, situation. It's not technically a defense, but he did just have the Fed show up at his office at his house. Alan, professor, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Well, thanks. You know, I've been on the opposite side of Rudy since 1973. We argued many cases against each other, but we agree about the Fourth Amendment and the Constitution. I want every one of your viewers to imagine if there were a search warrant for your priest, for your psychiatrist, for your doctor, for your lawyer, and the search warrant got all the private information you confidentially told your priest or your doctor or your lawyer, and the government said, oh, no, 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 don't worry. We're only going to have some prosecutors read this, and they'll determine whether it's privileged. And if it's privileged, they won't turn it over to the prosecutors who are actually prosecuting the case. Would that make you feel good? Would that make you feel safe that your confidential material was read by prosecutors? And it's a total confusion, because the Fourth Amendment has nothing to do with criminal cases. The Fifth Amendment has to do with cases that are criminal. The Fourth Amendment's about privacy. And so the government has absolutely no right to read, ever read, privileged information to your priest, to your doctor, to your lawyer, and yet they have done that. They've admitted they've done that. If they can do it to President Trump's lawyer, they can do it to your doctor, your priest, and your lawyer. You know, in a phone, they've got his phones. I mean, prosecutor, if any human being saw, you know, inside your phone, that's like looking in your head now. And this happened to, I think, three Trump lawyers Let's see. I think we have that graphic. Don McGahn, when he was White House counsel. Uh, Michael Cohen, we're not a big fan, but it happened to him. And now Rudy Giuliani, three lawyers. I always thought right. that, uh, that 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 attorney-client privilege thing uh, right. was, was sacrosanct, and no one could mess with it. You left out one. You left out Victoria Tensing. She also mm. gave legal to the president, and she had her uh, iPhones and everything seized the other day. This is something that no government official should be allowed to do. What they, if they think you have material, they should subpoena it. When they subpoena it, then your lawyer can go to court and say, look, this phone call is privileged. This email is privileged. The government can then say, no, it's not. And then the judge can make a decision. But the government doesn't get to see it first. They don't get to seize it. The only reason you should ever have a search warrant to a lawyer is if there is 
great evidence that the lawyer is in the process of destroying it. In this case, Rudy Giuliani knew that they were going after this material for months. He offered to come and talk to them about it, to bring it in, to show it to them. And they said, no, we're going to go to your house at six in the morning. We're going to seize everything. Sure, the agents yeah. will well be. They're decent people. They're just doing their job. But the United States Attorney General, who I admire and I really thought and think well of, should never have approved a warrant in this case. He should have approved only a subpoena with full knowledge of the other side so it could be challenged, not ex-party seizure. It was wrong. You are... You self-described, I believe, liberal Democrat. You're a liberal Democrat. It appears to me, I mean, it's kind of obvious that Democrats, the Biden administration and the Obama administration were willing, more than willing to politicize the DOJ and the FBI. I want to take you back to January of 2017. It's now essentially a matter of public record that Joe Biden, Barack Obama, um, Jim Comey were in that room trying to figure out, trying to come up with ways to prosecute uh, Michael Flynn, the national security advisor, we see that in Peter Strzok's notes that it was Joe Biden's idea to maybe try him on the Logan Act. This is the way they play. This is what they do. So when Joe Biden said this morning, I had no idea, as God is my witness, that uh, this was about to happen. You know what? I actually believe him, but I, I, my sense is that the system would do this for him. Look, anybody who would ever dream of prosecuting somebody under the Logan Act should be disbarred. The Logan Act hasn't been used since, I think, 1803 or 184. It failed in its use. It is so clearly unconstitutional. It would be applicable to John Kerry. It would be applicable to you name it. I can give you a dozen of Jimmy Carter it would be applicable to. They never, ever use it. They only use it to go after people who they politically disagree with. And it's tragedy that the Justice Department has become politicized by both parties, by extremists on all sides. It has to stop because we're the ultimate victims. When the Justice Department has no longer a neutral, professional, essentially civil service like it is in England, like it is in many other countries, and it becomes politicized, Today it's them, tomorrow it's you, and that's a great, great danger. Oh, just real quick, plausible deniability, that's what I think a lot of folks in that swamp are thinking when it comes to matters like this. You can do things with a wink and a nod. Uh, Tony Bobolinsky, remember him? Uh, kind of a superstar for a little while, and then everybody glossed over it, looked the other way. This is what he said about the Bidens and plausible deniability. Aren't you concerned? And he sort of looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. He said that out loud? Uh, yes, he said it directly to me, one-on-one -on -one in a cabana at the Peninsula Hotel after about an you know, hour and a half, two-hour meeting, with me asking out of concern, how are you guys doing this? Aren't you concerned that you're going to put your brother's you know, future presidential campaign at risk? Um, you know, the Chinese, the stuff that you guys have been doing already in 2015 and 2016 around the world. And uh, I just can almost picture his face where he sort of chuckles and says, you know, plausible deniability. Conversation uh, Bobolinsky said he had with one of Joe Biden's brothers. And when Joe Biden says, God is my witness, I had no idea that was about to happen. But here's the thing. Go ahead. I don't want I don't want to see the criminal justices and politicized against Democrats or politicized against Republicans. That's what happens in banana republics. The losing side gets prosecuted. The losing side's lawyers get prosecuted. 
then the other side wins and then their lawyers get prosecuted. That's not the way America does things. We have to stop using the criminal justice system as a partisan weapon for well, both sides. We are the ultimate losers when that happens. Professor, it is happening. It is happening right now. And oh, by the way, the media are not doing anything about it. I mean, they the American Studies Union, where are they? Where yeah. are where are the American Bar Association? If this was somebody else, the American Bar Association would be up in arms. This is not about Rudy Giuliani alone. This is about his clients. This is about any doctor's patients, any priest's penitents, every major organization that deals with this kind of confidentiality. This is about journalists. What if they go after a journalist and they start revealing the sources of the journalists? When you have privileges, you can't use search warrants yeah. unless there is evidence that the person is going to destroy everything. And nobody has alleged that anybody believed that Rudy Giuliani would ever destroy anything. And of course he would not. Hey, you mentioned journalists. You know who was really good at uh, looking at the private affairs of journalists? Barack Obama and the Obama administration Justice Department. That really happened. To be continued, I'm so glad that there are Americans like you, Professor Dershowitz. Sincerely, thank you very much. Uh, good luck in helping Rudy Giuliani in this and other matters. All the best. Grant Stanfield is standing by. Oh, and don't forget the Dersh Show. Uh, he's already gone, but Dersh Show podcast is great. Uh, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Grant, how are you? He's an American icon. I love talking to uh, uh, Alan Dershowitz and also Rudy Giuliani. Oh, both of them are absolutely fabulous. And, and you know, you brought up the Obamas. Greg, who could forget? They weaponized the Justice Department against the Tea Party groups and so many others. You know, Biden's still taking his cues there. In many respects, this gets to what we're talking about tonight on the program, that they don't respect the rule of law anymore. You got this war on cops. They coddle criminals. Well, now I've got the proof that it led to the death of a police officer. And so we're going to break down that case for you and show you how the Democrats' actions on all of this are now getting people killed, Greg. Wow. That's, uh, that's quite a story. I look forward to it. Grant, thanks so much. And we'll be right back. A liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. Once again, the historians are with us. Craig Shirley, presidential historian, Reagan biographer, and Doug Weed, presidential historian, and former advisor to George H.W. Bush. Gentlemen, welcome back. Hello. Hello, Greg. How are you? Hi. All right. Terrific. Thanks, Greg. I want to show you something uh, and tell me if I'm crazy, but I really think that presidential demeanor is important. And I think President Trump had a more presidential demeanor than Joe Biden. Look at these guys side by side. I watched closely an interview with Joe Biden today on NBC. He conveyed nervousness and fear throughout the interview. Nervousness and fear are probably the last things I would associate with Donald Trump and the last things I would associate with an effective president. Uh, Craig, your thoughts, please. Leadership is defined by a physical, moral, and physical presence. Joe Biden does not have a physical presence. He's often bewildered. He's often fearful. 
He's often at uh, risk. Uh, he's often befuddled by the questions he's given. And it has nothing to do with his age. It's just not, he's just not ready for prime time. And that's unfortunate. We, but we've had miniature presidents before, whether it was Jimmy Carter or Lyndon Johnson or others uh, who, were, who were not really uh, presidential timber, not like a Dwight Eisenhower or Ronald Reagan uh, or, or Donald Trump, who was ready for prime time and ready for the job. And you felt like you could go to bed at night and you were safe with them as president of the United States. I remember when Carter was president, I never felt safe when he was president. But when Ronald Reagan was president, I always felt safe. I know exactly what you, know, you mean. I remember how uh, kind of odd Jimmy Carter was. What do you think, Doug? Well, I think that Joe Biden is self-conscious and nervous, and all the Democrats are, because what they're doing is so fraudulent and phony. And they know that many, many Americans, if not most Americans, know it. I mean, when Joe Biden takes credit for the vaccines, <laughs> when they now take credit for jobs, imagine that. Donald Trump is the jobs president, and that drives them up the wall. They got to get that back. You remember when, when Obama and Biden took power for the first two years, everything that happened, they blamed on George W. Bush. It was George's fault. We can't turn the ship of state around in, in just a, a few months. We inherited this mess. But now they're trying to take credit in the first hundred days on everything that Trump did without giving yes. him any credit for it. Here we go, Vice President Kamala Harris on that jobs thing. <laughs> this is empirically, I believe, just a you know, matter of public record and data, totally wrong. But take a listen. In 100 days, we have created more new jobs than any other administration in history. <laughs> uh, Craig? She's just in fantasy land. She doesn't know anything, and she's proving it to the world. These were jobs that were created under Donald Trump that have carried over into this administration, or the jobs that maybe she's thinking of are the make-work uh, government-type jobs that are, that are temporary and ephemeral that don't really count. They, they, they're, they're uh, I, I don't know how to describe them except make-work. You know, raking leaves in a in a in a, in a, uh, uh, a park is not is not is not a real job. So uh, she's not up to speed. She's not ready for prime time. I don't personally feel comfortable that she's our vice president. She's making things up as she goes along, like claiming that they do all these things in the first 100 days. They're claiming more in 100 days than God did in seven days. <laughs> uh, you know, she seemed to have a little bit of a total confidence, actually, Doug, total and complete confidence when she said that, knowing that the media would not call her out on it. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a great advantage. They know that the media won't call them out, as you say, and that they will actually run interference or protect them when they say something false. And it's not just the television media. It's big tech. Google will protect them. You can't even look these things up. I can tell you a country that created thousands of jobs immediately, and that was the Soviet Union. If the yes, government hires government employees, of course it can create jobs. But the jobs that matter, that 
create wealth that make dreams come true were the jobs that came to those hardworking Catholic laborers in those uh, industrial states that Donald Trump won in 2016. You know, earlier in the show, we played a, a slew of comments from historians, uh, prominent Democrats, who said that what happened on January 6th was the worst thing that happened in this country since the Civil War. Joe Biden said that on uh, the other night when he made his big speech, which is, I mean, obviously that is incorrect, but somehow it has taken hold in at least the left's public consciousness that January 6th, where one person, not five, not six, not Officer Sicknick, but one person, Ashley Babbitt, was killed on January 6th. And this is the worst thing there. And by the way, um, we were back in business. The government was back in business within hours. Isn't that right, Craig? I mean, it wasn't yeah, like the exactly. World Trade Center, which, you know, immobilized no. the country for months. It was exactly. it was back in business in hours. Yes, it was back in business in hours. The, the left is trying to politicize this event to its fullest advantage for themselves. Uh, they don't forget the JFK's assassination, the Vietnam War, Watergate. You know, there's been we've had gone through many crises since the Civil War that, that this pales in comparison to these many crises. World War One, World War Two, the Great Depression. You, you, you name it. There, there are myriad uh, crises that we've gone through that are much bigger than this minuscule event. And it's just laughable that, that uh, Biden and his cohorts in the media would claim this is the worst event since the Civil War. It's just nonsense. Doug, predictions? <laughs> I'll tell you what's chilling to me is the very morning that Joe Biden gives his speech to the joint session, in which he's going to call for unity, he sends his FBI in to raid the residence of his political opponent's attorney. That's a scene out of Nazi Germany. I haven't yes. seen anything like that America in America in a long, long time. They've got Trump living somewhere in their brain, and they can't get rid of him. Well, they're doing everything they convinced themselves that Donald Trump was doing or wanted to believe or just lied about that Donald Trump was doing. It's kind of amazing. Thank you, gentlemen. I'm so glad you're here with us, uh, Craig and Doug, to be continued for sure, and we'll be right back. Ultimately, I'm always right. And Donald Trump was right to restrict travel from China to the United States in the early days of the coronavirus. It made total sense. You know who agreed with him? Dr. Fauci. You know who didn't agree with him? The media and Democrats. Remember the hard time they gave him? Anyway, he made the call and it was the right call. I cut off China very early. And if I didn't, we would have a chart that you wouldn't believe. Now, remember, there were really only a few deaths that we knew of, relatively speaking, in China at that point when they made that call. Joe Biden didn't like it. He did call it a xenophobic move. Neither should we panic or fall back on xenophobia. Let me be crystal clear. The coronavirus does not have a political affiliation. It will infect Republicans, independents, and Democrats alike. And it will not discriminate based on national origin, race, gender, or zip code. Really, they were criticizing the 
decision to restrict travel. Now, uh, and they didn't walk away from that. They kept it up all the way through the fall. But if you look at what we've done, I closed it and you said he's xenophobic, he's a racist and he's xenophobic because you didn't think I should have closed our country. Wait a minute. It two minutes. You didn't think we should have closed our country because you thought it was too, it was terrible. You wouldn't have closed it for another two months. It's right about that. And now Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have finally decided to restrict, if not downright eliminate travel from India. But in this case, it looks to me like they waited way too long. There is a full-blown crisis in India, and the coronavirus has been going on for weeks now. Finally, they've announced travel restrictions. On the issue of India, we have announced that there's going to be a travel restriction starting on Tuesday on the advice of the Centers for Disease Control. Our COVID-19 experts, medical experts, our national security advisors. Next time, do that in the plane, huh? Folks, thanks for watching. Have a great night and stand by for Stinchfield.